0: This is the Frog for Life Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. The friendships that I made um, my freshman
1: year at TCU have stayed with me for a lifetime. There are, uh, there's a handful of us uh, girls who lived in Colby Hall uh, on the West Wing that still get together um, from time to time. uh, And it is like we are back uh, our freshman year
0: That is the voice of Bobby McPherson, who is a human resources professional for the United States Olympic Committee. Bobby will talk about her time at TCU, her many corporate world experiences, as well as her work mentoring other women. And well, we are so excited to be joined today by Bobby McPherson. She is the. Let's see if I get this right, <laughs> Bobby is the chief people officer at the United States Olympic Committee, and we'll get into how that happened later on. But, Bobby, first I want to go into the reason you're on the you're on with us today is because you are a graduate of TCU, and and why did you come to TCU all those years ago? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I had
1: the honor and privilege of being awarded a chancellor scholarship, um, and. Uh, you know, I had been pursuing for my entire life up until my senior year of high school uh, what I thought was going to be a long career as a pianist. I was studying a classically trained uh, pianist and I competed and I had planned to study um, into college uh, music and stay with my instructor who taught uh, at a university up in Nebraska. And by the I think it was about by January of my senior year, I just had kind of gotten burnt out. And um, at that point in time, TCU had been courting me uh, and offered the scholarship based on my grades and my test scores. And so I started the dialogue and uh, sight unseen,
0: accepted the scholarship and came down at the end of the summer for orientation. Wow, so you came sight unseen. What were your first impressions of the campus?
1: Um, you know what the my first impression was just how friendly and supportive uh, the whole uh, environment was. From an orientation standpoint, I later went on to be one of the orientation counselors. Um, in I think it was my junior or senior year, but I was. They, they were so welcoming and they were so or, organized and helpful and really helping to navigate the whole process of admissions and understanding how the school operated and providing a nice orientation to the Greek system. Uh, and, you know, just all of that experience just made me feel really really great about the program.
0: <laughs> Aside from getting into Sorry. the orientation uh, leadership later, but how? what other student activities were you involved in? Uh,
1: I did go through, uh, I did join uh, Delta Gamma sorority and um, was, uh, uh, you know, was in that Greek system, which is, at least back then, it was uh, pretty prevalent with more than a majority of the students being in the Greek system. I loved the inclusiveness of it. I made lasting friendships in the freshman dorm that I was in, and all of us were in different sororities uh, and had different connections, uh, but I felt it to be a very welcoming and inclusive environment. And for somebody coming from out of state, um, you know, just having a network um, uh, or a means in which to make a network quickly. Uh, after joining uh, the school was really helpful. Um, And and not only was I a member of the Death Gamma Sorority, but um, also went on to hold leadership positions. I was the scholarship chairman and was heavily involved in in the leadership of our, our organization, which was a great experience and learning for me.
0: And academically, you studied uh, your your bachelor's in business business administration management. So, did you always know you wanted to go into a human resources type position?
1: Actually, I did not. I kind of got into that um, sort of through the back door. I was I was undeclared when I joined um, because I hadn't really. I thought, as I said earlier, I would have a different path, uh, and I, I really enjoyed my sociology and courses that I was taking as part of just my core curriculum, and then I landed in an organizational behavior class, and I still remember my professor's name with uh, Dr. Colette Frame, um, and really got exposed to um, sort of organizational psychology, team behavior, leadership. You know, back back then, um, human resources was really just beginning as a profession in the corporate world, uh, and there was not an opportunity uh, at the business school to major in human resources or organizational leadership, uh, but I took every course that I could uh, in that topical area uh, and, and while my major was in management, all of my business school electives were in the field of human resources.
0: And so when you said that human resources was just kind of developing back then, what did it look like as to the field you entered?
1: Uh, you know, I, uh, at, at the time when I was graduating from TCU, not many organizations um, hired people into human resources jobs, whether they be recruiting, staffing, uh, training and development, Uh, typically people who staffed those types of positions were moved into them internally from some other field within the organization. So it was really challenging to uh, find interview opportunities either through on campus or through the own outreach, uh, the outreach that I was doing into corporations, because that's just not how they looked at the profession of human resources. I think back then it was still called personnel administration. So I knew that going into my job search process and sort of as a fallback position, I had applied to, at the time, there were three really nationally renowned programs in industrial and labor relations, uh, Cornell, Michigan state, and Minnesota. And uh, the conversations I had with, Dr. Frane and a couple other of my instructors uh, really helped me do the research to find out what graduate programs might I pursue if I wasn't able to successfully get my first work experience in the field. So I had applied to those uh, programs and had been um, actually was accepted to Cornell University's program. And so I went straight from TCU to get my master's. And literally those two years made a huge difference. And the field taking off, um, and there were many, many opportunities coming out of that program combined with my business degree uh, to step into the type of job that I wanted as my first experience.
0: Upon receiving her master's from Cornell, Bobby had many opportunities to choose from as she searched for her first full time position in human resources.
1: Actually, um, Cornell, because their program in labor relations and uh, human resources was so well known uh, and the economy was booming, there were plenty of uh, uh, large Fortune 500 corporations that came to campus, some of which had development programs in the field of HR, others which just um, uh, liked the, that profile of graduate. And so I think I had uh, maybe six opportunities to choose from uh, coming out of Cornell's program. But the, the economy had gotten, had definitely approved. And then the, the trend of hiring professionally trained HR professionals into these roles was really starting to take off.
0: And so which of the six opportunities did you take?
1: I, my first role was with Chevron Corporation in San Francisco, California, and they had, uh, they and a few other big firms like GE had a human resources development program that they would hire new graduates into, where you would rotate in uh, four, six month assignments in different areas um, of your field. Uh, they had a finance one, they had an HR one, they had other programs as well. Um, and I just thought since I hadn't had that opportunity to work in the field uh, of my chosen profession right
0: after undergrad,
1: that that would be a good way to get exposed to the real world of working in HR.
0: From her first job at Chevron to her current job in the United States Olympic Committee, Bobby has mm-hmm. seen her career path take many twists and turns. So the first 10 to
1: 15 years of my career, you know, my career has always been in human resources. Uh, The first half of it, I would say, was spent uh, in uh, HR generalist roles, whether they be in staffing, recruiting, training, or some combination of all three of those activities, management development, helping to coach managers in uh, performance management um, challenges, succession planning, uh, career development, sort of the whole gamut of uh, what you would one would do in this field as a field HR generalist. So uh, I worked in the oil industry for a while, for about five years. And then my husband at the time was pursuing his master's in fine arts uh, and was accepted into Penn's program outside of Philadelphia. So Uh, I pursued job opportunities in that part of the country and had the good fortune of being hired by the Taco Bell organization when it was still part of PepsiCo, which PepsiCo has a phenomenal reputation for having been at the forefront of leadership development, um, uh, uh, career development, succession planning. Uh, So that was a great opportunity to join that organization and get exposed to some really cutting-edge practices in the HR field around career development and talent development. Um, They uh, were, at the time I left there, they were starting to form what is now Yum! Brands, which is a collection of Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC, which were all part of PepsiCo previously. Uh, So as that was happening, um, I... uh, followed a, another former PepsiCo HR leader who had joined a small startup in Delaware, which was a credit card company called First USA Bank, which was ultimately what well, was going through rapid, rapid growth and expansion. And it was ultimately acquired. I think I lived through three acquisitions where we were acquired to take over credit card portfolios at the bank acquiring us. And ultimately now that is still the same leadership division that runs Chase, the Chase credit card portfolio out of Wilmington, Delaware. So I kind of lived through that, all that merger and integration activity that was happening in banking at the time. Um, After that, uh, in the midst of that, I uh, had been in field roles my whole career and felt it was time to... Really spent some time in the corporate HR function, which I'd not been exposed to, uh, and was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. And Limited Brands, uh, at the time, had a was a much larger organization, but having both apparel and intimate brands uh, as part of their business. And uh, Bath and Body Works, uh, huge organization in Columbus, Ohio, and had the opportunity to join that company as a senior HR leader for the corporate functions of the organization. From there, I was I really made my first foray into being a head of HR, a chief HR officer for a retail reach, which was about 4,000 employees, cut my teeth on learning sort of the back office of the HR function, benefits, payroll, insurance carriers, HR systems, uh, technology, all that. Uh, which you just simply don't get exposed to much of that when you're in a generalist role, uh, and then have been recruited to bigger uh, opportunities uh, in the last few years, uh, typically joining organizations as a head of HR when the company has been going through a lot of change, transformation, post-merger, post-IPO, uh, or just simply having a lot of transformational change happening at um, which it has created an opening. So that is what uh, the last three companies, um, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I have had a track record of taking roles with companies that were then acquired or sold. Um, and so that the company I was last with uh, was a bo- boutique, third-party hospitality management company that ran uh, resorts and hotels across North America, which was recently acquired by Hyatt Hotels Corporation. So uh, that left me open to consider this opportunity.
0: And so how did you go about joining the United States Olympic Committee?
1: Well, actually, I had throughout my career, I've cultivated relationships with eight uh, search firms, um, both from a client side and as a candidate in different roles. And so uh, over time, you know, you start, you get, you really get to know some of these individuals because you, your your connection to them and your relationship with them spans over multiple companies. Uh, uh, and uh, Spencer Stewart is one of the big national search firms and the, the one of the leaders in the HR practice there I've known for years. Uh, he knew my interest in uh, being part of an executive team for that, for an organization that has a, a sort of a higher purpose or a mission, mission-driven organizations. And so, when he uh, was assigned to work on the search, he said he was. I was the first person he thought of. I lived right here in the back door of Colorado Springs, um, and it just seemed like a really good fit. And the timing couldn't have been better. It was. It was right about as we were publicly announcing the acquisition and the disbanding of our previous executive team at the, at the other company.
0: Hmm. And so what will your duties, ent- what will your duties entail okay. at the United States Olympic committee?
1: Uh, I am responsible for, um, for leading the HR function and the diversity and, and inclusion, uh, which includes diversity and inclusion, which um, is uh, mission is to foster inclusive programs, track, Diversity and inclusion staff, not only at the U.S. Olympic Committee, but within the 50 uh, sport governing bodies, um, uh, just um, and helping with programs uh, on the diversity and inclusion front, both training and development, awareness, that sort of thing. Um, And just on the core HR, it's everything from recruitment. We have about five. 100 USOC, uh, US Olympic and Paralympic employees uh, here at the committee. And so making sure we are staffing this team, we call ourselves the team behind the team. Uh, so we, we support the delegations that go to the games. Uh, so we have a, a mixture of sports administrative and uh workforce, as well as your traditional functions, IT, finance, uh, communications, marketing. So the recruitment, the training and development of these employees, the, um, uh, the talent development, succession planning, uh, providing benefits not only to USOC uh, employees, but also our athletes uh, that compete, Um and then making sure, you know, that we have the right HR systems in place to ensure everybody gets paid on time and properly. So kind of the whole gamut of running an HR function.
0: And I know you probably don't know all the ins and outs because you've only been there about a month as we speak to you now, but what's been the thing that's really stood out? I'm sure a lot of us that watch the Olympics just are wondering what goes on day to day and what's the biggest thing that really sticks out to you about the – the workplace um, of the USOC?
1: I think the thing that's been the biggest learning curve for me, both through the interview process and just in the the last few weeks of getting to know the operations is that it's so much more uh, than just the winter and summer Olympics uh, every four years uh, that we support the parallel, Paralympics, you know, at every Olympics event, winter and summer games, they're following that is the Paralympics. Uh, We support that process. There's the coming up this summer is the Pan American Games and the Parapan American Games, which are being held in Lima, Peru. There is Youth Olympics, both winter and summer that happens also um, every two years. Uh, There's World Beach Games. So there's there's just so much more than I think what the general layperson knows that goes on uh, from uh, ongoing you know many more events than maybe everybody follows and then in addition just the ongoing training and the training centers that we have and supporting the athletes uh, there's there's plenty of activity going on in between those every four year games. <laughs>
0: and you've been in the in the field for 30 years how has the industry changed from it was just getting started and now everything it seems when somebody's being added to an organization you know you find out their life story before you before they ever join which i'm sure that wasn't necessarily the case when you first started
1: yeah you know what? I, what what is interesting to me to, is to have seen the evolution of technology in supporting everything that happens in the life cycle of an employee. So you know, looking back to uh, the days when we didn't even really have email, uh, um, and now uh, you know, with all of the apps and the Outlook and the SharePoint and Ways to collaborate electronically with people who are in multiple locations Um, and just, you know, the way that you engage a workforce through uh, engagement surveys, which are done either on an app or on a computer that you stay connected to people. You try to make the employment experience so much smoother and easier through technology because that's the world that the new generations are growing up in. Is that is what I've seen the most change, and it's the how you deliver the support and the service to your workforce and your leaders uh, in an ever-changing technological backdrop, Uh, and it's hard to keep up with, you know, all the changes that are coming out. um, And there's, uh, but if you don't, you you fall you fall behind. You can't attract the talent that you want. Uh, If you don't have streamlined online, you're not using social media to recruit. If you're not engaging your current workforce through not just one-on-one relationships, but with communication and um, through other activities and a lot of collaboration. And people work very differently today than they did 25, 30 years ago.
0: And you've been around many organizations what are the biggest lessons you've learned as you've been able to adapt from organization to organization over the years?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, the thing that I've learned, I think that has served me the best is that this—it's this recognition that organizations all have their own culture and dynamic and then subcultures within that. And to be effective in moving into a new organization really requires taking the time to learn the culture and understand that uh, what exists um, and be able to, to um, work within that and adjust your, your leadership style, your approach, your um, your, you know, make sure your vision aligns to what, that, what, what is important to that organization and draw the connections there. Um, but you have to take the – you can't do that overnight. I, I've seen a lot of leaders that I've recruited um, and worked with that uh, fail early because they simply uh, don't take the time to get to know what it is they're joining.
0: Aside from her day job as a human resources professional, Bobby is also a mentor and a coach to other women looking to further their career. You know, I, uh, a few years ago, um, I had a
1: little, I had the opportunity to uh, take a little bit of time in between um, in between roles and uh, invest in myself. With some development, I took a step back and said, "What is it about what I do uh, that I really truly enjoy?" Uh, and have have I question myself? Have you invested in making sure that you're um, developing yourself and focusing on that to for that sort of ongoing self-development and honing your skills and making sure that you can be the best at that piece of Um, what it is you do. I have, you know, I've often been the only female sitting at the executive team or the leadership team in many of the roles that I've had throughout my career. So I am very passionate about closing the gender gap and helping women leaders uh, advocate for themselves, see their strengths, be comfortable in their skin, be be strong leaders uh, without losing their personality, and Um, And so I wanted to be able to sort of give back to the women in leadership um, community that exists in a way uh, that, you know, maybe I didn't have the benefit of that as I was moving up through my career. Having strong mentors is really important. I've helped to solidify women's leadership networks in many of the organizations I've been in. Um, And I just think it is. Um, uh, we as a country have not made the progress that we should have on this issue over the years. And um, I just feel uh, very passionate about doing my doing something to help close that, that gap, address the glass ceiling, address the pay gap, um, and really uh, help women leaders more on a one-on-one Environment um, because that is that's what I that's what I have a passion for. It's what I enjoy doing. So I um, went and got some training in how to be an effective coach. And um, I really only carry three to five clients at a time. All of my business is through word of mouth. Um, And uh, it's really just connecting with someone at either a pivotal time or maybe when they have stepped into a new leadership role or are going to venture out and start their own business or whatever the case may be. Uh, But, you know, it's always good to have a coach when you're going through a change like that. And um, it's just something that I have a passion for and enjoy doing.
0: And I know you said you only have three to five clients, but if there were, the whole uh, TCU graduating class, what advice would you give to to those females about how they get ready to enter the workforce?
1: You know, I think the one, um, the one piece of advice I would provide is, um, is be your own best advocate. Um, uh, I think, I think, you know, believe in yourself, uh, uh, know your strengths, be self-aware uh, but advocate for yourself,
0: and lastly, as we wrap up, I want to tie it back to where we started here at TCU. How do you believe your time at TCU influenced where you are today?
1: You know I, a couple things about that. Uh, uh, I the one thing for me, I don't know if this is true of everyone, but being on an academic scholarship a TCU with a requirement to achieve a certain GPA every year uh, in order to have that scholarship renewed instilled in me a great sense of discipline um, to really prioritize uh, my academics. um, And I mean, the social stuff is great, but uh, for me, getting an education and making sure that Um, I had that benefit of that scholarship throughout the four years was was very important to me personally. And so it taught me uh, just some discipline and organization um, and that it pays off in the end if you focus on that. So that was one thing. The other was the friendships that I made um, my freshman year at TCU have stayed with me for a lifetime. There are uh, there's a handful of us of girls who lived in Colby Hall uh, on the West Wing that still get together um, from time to time. uh, And it is like we are back uh, our freshman year at TCU. And uh, you have this great opportunity to build these lasting relationships. I think out of the four of us, I'm the only one who ended up graduating from TCU uh, and other people went on in different directions, but Really treasuring that opportunity to make lifelong friends uh, and connections that stay with you uh, for years to come and taking advantage of that is something that has been just incredibly meaningful for me throughout my career.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. We thank you so much for telling us all about how human resources is developed and, and great advice for the young women of today. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.